0: Welcome to Career Console, your podcast destination for navigating your career journey. We will talk about how to plan and manage your career, and you can benefit from the real world experience of professionals. Wherever you are in your career journey, this show will help you move forward with confidence. I'm Praveen, and I'm joined by my co-host, Paddy, and each of us has more than 20 years of experience working across industries, functions, and geographies.
1: On today's show, we will talk about careers in the startup industry. And I will have the privilege of interviewing my co-host Praveen on this topic. Now, Praveen is an industry veteran and has worked with some of the world's biggest names in the semiconductor and telecom industry. But over the last 10 years, he spent considerable time working with a number of different startups. The reason we chose this as today's theme is because startups are clearly the latest trend in India. And for all the right reasons too, because there is a lot of VC and PE money that's flowing into these startups. We are seeing a number of startups that are going into IPOs. And chances are, you all know people that are working for startups and have made a successful career there. So if you are someone that's considering a career with a startup, what are some things that you need to keep in mind? And that's what we are going to expand and explore in today's session. One thing to keep in mind amid all this startup mania is something that we would like to call as publication bias, which is we only hear stories of those startups that are successful. We only hear stories of those startups that received billion dollar valuations, the unicorns. We only hear those startups that received multiple funding rounds. But for every startup that has made it, surely there are many that could not succeed for a variety of reasons. Statistically, we know that the majority of the startups don't become big. Now, they may be successful moderately, but they will not become the next Facebook or the next Google. So that's something to keep in mind. So as we think about this latest craze around startups in India, Praveen let me ask you, everyone seems to call themselves a startup these days. How do you define a startup?
0: Thanks, Paddy. Um, A very interesting question indeed. uh, Every uh, every company, even very traditional companies, uh, now wants to emulate startups, and hence they start calling themselves startups. Um, But let's, let's get out of the brass tacks. A good definition of a startup is, uh, you know, in my mind, is what Eric Rees, who's, who's the author of the book Lean Startup, uh, uh, right, has put. Has, has uh, he said that a startup is a human institution designed to deliver a new product or service under conditions of extreme uncertainty. And in my mind, the most important factor here is this extreme uncertainty. But where do really uncertainty come from? You know, by definition, in a startup, the business model, the product, the processes, all of these are in a very nascent stage. Your product is unproven, your revenue model is unproven, and that is where the uncertainty comes from. And every company, when it starts off, it passes through the stage at the beginning. And as it gets bigger, uh, you know, your revenue models become more stable. Your products become more stable. You prove the product in the market, and and sort of this uncertainty decreases. And so, because of which, I feel many companies, even though they may consider themselves startups, are not really startups. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, Flipkart, by definition, I would not call it a startup because now they have they are established in the market. They are number two uh, uh, e-commerce company in the market. Yes, they may want to model themselves as a startup, but in the truest sense, it is not a startup. Same is true for, for example, Zomato, which has actually even gone IPO. Um, So all of these companies have gone past the stage where revenue streams are uncertain. I believe that they have ceased to be a startup. Now, one, one distinction I want to make is they may want to maintain a startup culture, right? That's fine. And and I understand that, but it's not startup in my mind in the, the truest sense. That's that's what I think about that.
1: Uh, Thank So I think I think the bottom line there, Praveen is in, in order for an organization to call itself a startup, there must be this this. Uh, condition of of extreme uncertainty that that is present as, as they're trying to build themselves up uh, so then. To, to follow on to that. Would you say then all small businesses that. Deal with this uncertainty. Qualify to be called as startups.
0: <laughs> it's uh it's very interesting and the reason is. Uh, you know now every business uh, wants to call themselves a startup, right? Whether they're big or small. Now and, and many small businesses are really family businesses. Right. Some use the term lifestyle business, that is, it's a business that helps the founders or the proprietor uh, lead a particular lifestyle that he wants to lead. So in my mind, a company that, only a company that has a potential and intent to scale and provide high returns, both to its entrepreneurs and to its employees, right? they are that is what a startup is right the others are you know are, are still small businesses i would i would call them as small businesses right and and typically uh, many of the startups would need vce and pe money right it's not a full-on proprietorship there is a uh, the the shareholding is a little more diverse there is some VCP money that has been put in so that it can help scale uh, right uh, so that's what i would call uh, as a startup uh, right and um, in many cases, startups are in the tech or in the digital space. And, and the reason where uh, the reason is, you know, tech is something that can help you scale. And, and that is why most startups that you feel is in the tech or digital space. Um, there could be other companies as well, uh, but mostly I would say it is in the tech or digital space. Uh, that's what I would call as a startup.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think that's a very fair point. Uh, I mean, there is absolutely nothing wrong in running a small business or running a family business. Those are very valuable too from an economic standpoint, and a lot of them provide great value to their customers as well. But like you said, probably the key differentiator or the key indicator of a startup is generally the intent and desire to scale up several, several times which may sometimes not be the intent of a small business or a family business. Something else that jumps out for me when we compare a startup with a traditional family-run business, uh, in a family business, typically there is an intent that the business will always be led or run by someone from within the family that started the business, even if it is several decades or several generations down the line. But I think most of today's startups uh, we see are started by people who are very happy to turn it over to professional management a few years or a few decades down the line. Their goal is that the company and the organization should scale and they are not very hung up on who actually manages the organization. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Absolutely, Paddy. Uh, One more thing I want to uh, to talk about here is, and, and typically a startup would go, as an IPO where uh, you know that many of the shares of their employees now get invested or you know, in many cases, uh, entrepreneurs are happy to sell it off as well when they see the right opportunity, uh, right? That's another exit path typically for startup, which really doesn't exist for a, you know, for a small business and which the small business owners do not want to take because this is, you know, the, their businesses is, is what funds their sort of lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I think that's certainly a good point of uh, differentiation there. And also on technology, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, A lot of startups today are able to run their business thanks to technology. I mean, if we think of companies like Uber or Ola or Airbnb, their ability to grow and expand is primarily thanks to the development and evolution of technology. So when we generally think of startups... When we, when we think of tech startups, uh, I think there is a good reason for that because technology is a key lever that helps many of these startups scale and grow in a much, much more accelerated fashion today than what was possible maybe 10 or 20 years ago. So having said that, uh, let me switch gears here a little bit. Uh, now that we have defined what is a startup and contrasted a startup with a small business or a family-run business, uh, we see that the market is full of startups. And if I am someone who is evaluating them, would you say, are all startups the same? How do do you categorize them from your experience?
0: So um, like any business, startups also go through an entire maturity process. Uh, at a very base stage, a startup it's it's usually you know, you know it could be a pre-series A or a series A uh, funding, uh, and in most cases they may not have a full product. What they have is a is a prototype or sort of a product idea, uh, you know. In in many cases, in and it's not fully proven. They are uh, you know they are talking usually the, the founders of talk to some of the customers to see what is the uh, to see how valuable it is and and what is the um uh, what is the customer reaction and so on. Um, and, and they may even have some kind of pilots or, or proof of concepts going with with a few customers, uh, right? So I would call that as a, you know, it's a startup at a very nascent stage, uh, right. And And in my mind, the second stage is where uh, it's startup has reached a scaling up stage, uh, right? So typically you would get a B or a C funding, you find found some kind of success that is you have some customers, uh, right? Uh, you may uh, you may have some revenues coming up. Right in the, in the previous stage, the nascent stage, you may not have any revenues at all. Right now, now you have some revenues come up. Uh, but in, in, even in this case, very likely. Uh, right again, there's no hard and fast rule, but very likely uh, your your costs far exceed the the revenues. Uh, right, but you are at a stage where you know this. There is a market out there. Now we want to scale it up. Uh, right. Um, so the third stage, I would say, is is more like a medium-sized company, right? You you know you may have sort of a Series D funding. You have done some amount of scaling, right? You have a few, you know, in the, let's say in a, in a B two B setup, you have a few hundred customers. Maybe in a B two C setup that is a, a business directly to the consumer, you may have a lot more, uh, right? Of course, you may have a few million customers, uh, right? Now you are really looking for further growth, right? You want to now. In some cases, you want to diversify your business, uh, right? In some cases, you are looking at other markets, uh, right? You're looking at, you know, not just maybe India, you may want to go to other markets, you may want to look at other verticals and so on. Uh, so that's how I would broadly put it, uh, right? And um, the one reason why you want to put it like that is because your chances of failure uh, sort of decreases with each stage, right? When you're at a nascent stage, the chances are, you know, you may not hit the uh, a, a fully validated product at all maybe after all the validation exercises you may it may fail or even if you maybe run a few pilots but it it may not it may or may not succeed uh, right uh, so so there is very high uncertainty in that stage about the uh, about the sustainability of the startup itself sort of in the scaling up stage or the second stage you know there is some success but you know you still don't know whether this is uh, this is going to be big enough to cover the cost, or is it something that is, uh, you know, something that is sort of a too niche market uh, that you cannot have a product or a service out there, right? Uh, but but still the, you know, compared to the basic stage, of course, the uncertainty is lesser. And if it's a medium-sized company, it's almost that, you know, as, as, a, as an idea, it, it, it is there. Now you're really looking at expanding it beyond, uh, right, beyond your original scope. Are, right? So, in general, I would say that the uncertainty keeps decreasing as you go from one level to other.
1: So, as I'm hearing you say that, Praveen, I think you nicely helped evaluate the maturity of a startup along three parameters, if you will, product, customers or users, and revenue. Uh, so the questions to ask are, do they have a product in place? Do they have customers or users in place? And do they have revenues that are coming in? Most early stage startups probably don't have any of the three. And the more mature startups probably have all of those three. And then uh, you have this entire spectrum where some startups may have one or two of the three parameters that we spoke about. Is that a good way to evaluate the maturity of a startup?
0: yeah that, that's that, that's very well put paddy yeah that's 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 a good way of uh, thinking about the maturity of
1: startup yeah and, and and of course we are not even going to talk about profits because <laughs> it it seems there's there's <laughs> a lot of uh, <laughs> it uh, seems people are very very patient with uh, with uh, startup <laughs> turning profitable do, do you have but, any comments on that
0: Uh, Actually, at at least in the Indian scenario today, uh, I believe VCs and investors are are very very, very patient uh, in in finding profits, but I want to make one distinction. uh, You know, in in, you know, in in some of the cases I mean, let's take a case of an Ola or. uh, Or even a Zomato or something like that, right? It's a given that there is a market out there. It's a given that uh, people are buying stuff. People are you know, going buying stuff through a Zomato or a Swiggy, people actually use Ola for the transportation. So that market is there, uh, right? They may not have turned a profit yet, uh, and and right now they are in a phase they want to scale. Uh, it may, you know, given the fact that the market in, in a place like India is so huge, uh, and and in, a, in sometimes it is important that you be like the first or second in the market because in many cases these markets are a winner take all in kind a of market. Uh, right, So you want to be there, establish yourself first, uh, right? Scale up before you start worrying about profits. And that is the reason why you see uh, profits taking a, a, a lower priority here. Uh, but that may not be the case for other startups, especially in the in business to business or B2B startups. In B2B startups uh, you know it is not, and in many cases it's not a winner take all market. It's not as cutthroat. Uh, right, where, where it's a winner take all, uh, there is space for maybe a few companies. Again, I'm not saying that you know you can have like ten different companies or twenty five different companies, but but you know, there is it's not as cutthroat as a B two C, uh, right? Uh, so uh, so in those cases, you would actually see companies taking turning profit early on itself. Uh, right. uh, that's uh, that's what I
1: yeah. Think. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point you made, because if you think of Facebook or Google as an example, you can typically have only one player in that kind of a market, and you need to really invest and grow and scale as soon as you can to capture that market. Uh, there's, There's certain markets where you can't even have a second player, or there are other markets where you could possibly have two or three players, but not many more beyond that. And I think an inherent element of the startup setup itself is that while you as a startup may have a great idea, someone else may also have the exact same idea and may be working as hard towards getting their product off the ground. Uh, sometimes they may have a different or a better idea. Uh, so there is certainly an element of urgency in trying to grow and scale and becoming the big player out there so that you are able to preempt some potential competition that might come up otherwise. Uh, So then let me ask you, Praveen, in this discussion that we are having about the maturity of a startup, at what point would you say a startup really stops uh, becoming a startup?
0: So uh, I wouldn't say there is a hard and fast rule here, um, right? but typically when the startup is at a point where uh, you know, it has gone, it is very close to an IPO, uh, right? There the pre-IPO funding, where when the management has become more structured and formal and, you know, all the processes are set and so on. And and the revenue stream itself has become a lot more predictable. Um, I would call that a startup stops becoming a startup, right? And, and typically, when, you know, I mean, in most cases, right, once you go after IPO, I really don't think you can really call it as a startup. All right, because the you know many of these structures and everything needs to be put in place for a company to go into an IPO stage at least in my mind you know in in, in the very in the in the strictest definition uh, you know it ceases to be a startup now there are companies out there where they still want to maintain their startup dna maintain that sense of urgency and hustle and so on and and they want to continue to be like that uh, right and that certainly is an intent uh, by many companies. Some of them succeed, some of them do not, uh, right? But I still won't call it as a startup because then, then you're not really distinguishing between these two companies, uh, right? I'll give you an example, Amazon calls it, still calls it, you know, they are still in the 0th day, but I mean, Amazon is, is now too big and too, it's, 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 a, it's a monopoly, digital monopoly, almost all across the globe, and I, I really don't want to call that as a startup, right? Because then you're doing, uh, you know, then there's no way of distinguishing, one can kind accompany of
1: with a with a smaller company. Your comment about that uncertainty, I think, is a good way to look at it, because as you described, startups approaching pre-IPO funding and definitely post-IPO, that element of uncertainty has decreased many folds. And therefore, while for purposes of culture and vision and and organizational. Dynamics, they may still want to use the word startup. Strictly speaking, when we look at the evolution of a firm, it stops being a quote-unquote startup anymore. Uh, So switching gears, Praveen, let's talk about what it means to build a career with a startup. You've had a very successful stint working for large organizations as well as working with startups. I want to pick your brains here and get some ideas for myself and our listeners, what would you say are some of the most important qualities or mindset that one needs to develop in order to have a successful career with a startup organization or just be generally successful in the startup space?
0: Yeah, um, Paddy, I feel uh, the biggest uh, quality that somebody needs to develop while working in a startup is to be able to manage ambiguity, right? And, and it's not a, you know, at, at some level, it's not, you know, it's not about what technologies you know, it's not about how much, uh, you know, whether you are a good performer or not, uh, you know, none of those things. It is about how how comfortable you are while dealing with ambiguity. Now, the reason is, you know, in a startup, and especially again like you know you know especially in a, in a in a company that is less mature like you know we talked about the different stages maybe in a nascent stage startup and all that right your original idea that that you might start out with may not work right there there are usually there are frequent change of plans uh, right sometimes you know especially if, if you're in a b2b kind of setup you know you your your customer may ask for a different kind of feature and you know, which may not be something that you have envisioned, but in some cases, you you know, a decision may have been taken that, hey, this is this seems more uh, lucrative, but there's, there's more value here, so maybe we should change that. So there are some sort of this frequent change of plans, uh, right? And and uh, this is, I mean, of course, you may have heard this is a really fancy term for it. It's called pivoting, uh, right? So, um, you know, pivoting is typically changing the direction of the company, right? And, and most companies go through these several sort of Changes in direction before they uh, before they actually become a lot more stable, right? Before the revenue streams become a lot more stable, right? Uh, so I would say that it is your quality to sort of deal with all of these ambiguity uh, and and all this uncertainty, right? That is probably most important. And in my mind, this is a skill that you can you can be comfortable, or you can. This is a trait that you can be you can learn in some ways. Um, you know, The only thing I see is people coming from larger companies and everybody who works in larger companies tend to go a little more set in their ways and, and so on. So that, there's a bit of unlearning that you will have to do when, when you get into a startup.
1: Hearing you say that, Praveen, I would also say this uncertainty is in many ways also, a source of excitement for people that are working at a startup. I mean, you can't really say that life feels mundane or routine because every day there is a new challenge. And, like you said, in many cases, the original version or the original idea itself may take an entirely different direction based on customer feedback or based on regulatory challenges, etc. Uh, So, that makes a lot of sense that when one approaches a career in startup, one should be prepared to not only deal with ambiguity, but even embrace that uncertainty and ambiguity and enjoy the excitement that comes with it. What else are some other things that are important to succeed in the startup environment? So,
0: two other things come to mind, Paddy. One is... um just like how, you know, from a from an outside in perspective, how company changes, uh, right? And there's a lot of ambiguity and, and uncertainty about the market. Internally, also the companies are a little like that. And what I mean by that is, typically in startups, you know, the the processes and 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 the roles, even the role your particular role, are not as well defined, uh, right? Um, now I know that in some cases people think of processes as something that is bad, but but really what is the process, you know, process exists because, you know, so that everyone knows what their responsibilities are, what jobs they need to do and make it more predictable, uh, right? And, and also clarity about who owns what, uh, right? And and in most um, large companies, there is a fair amount of clarity about who owns what, uh, right? Uh, your roles are well defined. How do you go about your, uh, your role is also in many cases well defined. Um, but in a startup, you know even you know in, in especially in a, in a startup that is in nascent stage, um, this is this is often lacking, right? even the the role definition itself is is lacking in many cases. You know there the could be people doing similar things, there could be you know uh, things that are not being taken over by by people that they should have so um uh, so that whole role definition itself is lacking and the processes are also lacking right so if you are somebody who's okay with it somebody who likes doing that somebody who likes to stretch your uh, job function uh, to include uh, you know maybe other holes that you see within that within your firm uh, or other holes that you see within other functions within your firm uh, right those people generally will be very successful in the startup in my opinion the the next Yeah,
1: Yeah, I was going to say, in addition to there not being too much structure and too much definition of roles and responsibilities, it almost seems like there's also an expectation that you take initiative and that you jump on things if you see something's not quite right uh, and you're able to think out of the box. You're able to take the lead and not just sit back and be told what needs to be done, is that a fair way of phrasing what you were just saying? Uh,
0: absolutely. Characterizing yes.
1: what you were just saying?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Pari. That's, that's, that's a nice way to put it. Uh, you know, and, and typically what happens in the startup is, I mean, I'll give you an example. right? Um, so you know, if you are a developer in a startup, a software developer in a startup, you may say that some of the things that may have, should have been done by, let's say an operations team is missing. Uh, right? And the expectation is that you jump in there and, and try to help them out. Uh, right, as much as you can. Uh, right, so so there is always that inherent expectation that you your your job function is not too narrow and and you are able to sort of stretch yourself uh, right across various functions. Uh, so so that is always there.
1: Yeah, I mean we hear of all the startups that were started in garages and basements etc. So I think even today in modern day startups there may that may have better business spaces, clearly the expectation still is that everyone is able to roll up their sleeves and do what needs to be done and get things done. And, um,
0: and the, Indian, the Indian version of the garage is actually uh, the founder's apartment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so is there, is there anything else you would say, Praveen, is a is a must have as a quality or a mindset to, to succeed in, in the startup environment?
0: So so one thing I have, you know, beyond these two points, the the one I feel is about uh, urgency and that sense of hustle, uh, right? And um, both are sort of important in a startup. The reason is, um, you know, one, in many cases, if you are a first mover in the industry, there is an advantage, uh, right? Because like we said, mentioned earlier, you know, in some of these cases, there can only be one or two players, uh, right? So there is only a limited time window for you to actually release your product out or you know release a new feature out and so on uh, right so that sense of urgency and and uh, and and that is that is extremely important in my opinion right in, in many cases they say you know startup the, the saying goes you know timing time is your enemy you know, right you just you know you you're, you're always fighting against time uh, right the other sort of related thing is also hustle uh, right so uh, where um you know you you are sort of expected to uh, to go with even if it is a suboptimal solution, to come up with a suboptimal solution and and not wait for perfection uh, right in many cases, right? And so you you're you're supposedly you're expected to be innovative, uh, right? It may not be you know your solution may not be perfect, but you know have even a uh, a, a workable solution out, uh, right which can which can help your customers uh, right uh, and and this is important because, you know, in many cases you just don't have enough resources in a startup and startup, you know, some by definition, you know there is there's not enough uh, you know in the most cases in almost all the cases there's more work to be done than resources. So uh, right? So you you know coming up with that uh, your solution quickly and and in an innovative manner is also something that is expected.
1: Yeah, it almost looks like you need to have some short term versus long term goals. I mean, your long-term goal might be to come up with the best product that's out there in the market, but you can't wait forever to perfect it. You also need to make sure that you're seen in the market, uh, there is activity that you can show to your investors and stakeholders. So sometimes you have to keep moving along, even while you're still trying to refine and trying to uh, make the product better. Uh, That's an important mindset to have because a lot of times... We all want to make sure our output is the best. And the idea here is not to say that one has to put out suboptimal quality output and get away with it. But you need to trade off having something that's of excellent quality. But at the same time, you need to make sure that you are getting something out periodically and frequently so that there is progress, so that there is traction. With your customers and your your stakeholders, and and trying to sort of grasp that dilemma between how do you balance the need for action and progress with making sure that you're you're doing the right thing and and you're putting out a product that actually works, and and I think that's something that uh, that a lot of startups have to deal with. Praveen, now I am going to ask you something very Interesting, which is around the culture of a startup. We spoke about the qualities and mindset that a potential career seeker in a startup must have. Uh, But when it comes to culture with respect to a startup, what can one expect in the form of culture? Culture, you know,
0: the culture of a startup, uh, of course, it's not. Homogeneous, you know, it depends from startup to startup. Actually, I feel there is a lot more variability of the culture in a startup than when compared to established companies, uh, right? And that's because, you know, it, in a startup, the company culture is is very much um, built over the uh, the attitudes and and the work ethic uh, of the founders themselves, uh, right? Um, so if you are uh, if your founders are someone who they were who respectful to your fellow employees, uh, right, who believe in sort of shared wealth creation uh, and so on, you have a certain kind of culture, uh, right? Uh, unfortunately, in some cases it, it may not be as well, uh, right? Um, so in, in those cases you have a different kind of culture as well, right? Um, and uh, but one one big. Uh, uh, Element that I feel is is that in most of these cases, especially in smaller startups, the founders, the founding team—I don't—I don't want to call just one founder, but in general, the founding team uh, calls most of the shots. They have the final say. Uh, you know, they—you uh, uh, know—you you, know—you can always influence them over a period of time, uh, but typically, uh, right? In, in most cases, they they do uh, set the tone uh, for the company's culture, uh, right? Um, now, um, but one thing I want to uh, make sure is, in, in general, in a startup, I would say is a little more ruthless when compared to uh, an, an established company, right? And and they do that because they have to, uh, you know, for a startup to survive, for a startup to sort of conserve uh, to conserve the costs while uh, while scaling up. Uh, a certain amount of ruthlessness uh, needs to be there, and and startups typically are, right. I don't want to scare everybody away, uh, right. And not all on all startups have a higher and fire culture either, right. I mean, many many of them do give second chances and all that, but it's not as easygoing, uh, right, as many of the established companies, uh, right. But overall, in general, uh, like I said, you know, it's it's driven by the attitude of the founders and the founding team.
1: I have to agree with you there. You know, uh, In my experience, I have seen two models in startups. There's one type of startup where the founder is the subject matter expert, they understand the product, they know the domain, they know everything there is to actually build the product and release it. Essentially, they're looking for a team to help them support in that endeavor. That's one kind of model where the founder is the subject matter expert. The other model is where the founder has a vision has a felt need, and has identified a gap in the market, but really requires the expertise of someone else who can come in and help design and build a viable product to address that need. Uh, I do think there is a variation in how those two types of startup operate. But the bottom line, like you're saying, is eventually the founder has a disproportionate impact on how the startup behaves, what norms and protocols are in place when employees interact with each other, as well as when the organization interacts with customers and and stakeholders. So my next question to you, Praveen, is on the finances of a startup. Are there any guidelines or thumb rules that you can offer if I were to try to understand the monetary aspects of being part of a startup,
0: so um, you know, the, the one of the biggest risks of a startup, of joining a startup as an employee, for, you know, or as a prospective employee for a startup, is the fact that uh, that the startup may run out of money, uh, right? So, and uh, and and or you know. Startup are close to running out of money, and they, they need to start firing people, right? Um, so it is it is important as an employee to understand at least have a broad idea about the finances of the company. Now there are there are very very few companies, I would say practically none, who would tell you about the finances uh, right right away. Uh, right, most companies, and admittedly, so do not want to. Uh, you know, disclose their revenues and so on to prospective employees. In some cases, they don't even uh, they, they don't even disclose it to employees uh, themselves, uh, right? I and mean, this is one big difference between a uh, an IPO and a company that has gone public versus company that has, which has not, uh, right? But but regardless, I feel it is uh, it is important that you quiz the you, you know the. the you know, if you get a chance to talk to founders, you know, quick quiz them about the runway that they have, uh, right? Uh, what is the burn rate like, and and uh, and at least get a sense of uh, uh, right what the financial health of the company is. Right? Now, um, there are some of the proxies that you can look at, uh, right? So you can look at sort of the maturity of the startup and see how many rounds of funding has happened. Who has funded them? Are these VCs, the likes of Sequoia or um, A16Z and so on, who may have funded it. If that is the case, then then you know chances of of having uh, a financial issue is, is lesser, uh, right? Um, and and also as as the company sort of grows, you know if it has reached you know C, D levels of funding, it, it probably means that you know things things are going okay, right? And you can also check out how the num you know whether the number of employees in the company is growing or not. Right. Now, I don't want to keep it as a big metric because in many product-based organizations, your your numbers may not, you know, the, the number of employees uh, will not, and it should not scale linearly along with the revenue. But still, you know, a, a sign of a growing company is also that there is some kind of addition to the number of to the number of employees, uh, right? Now, but even with all this, there is I still believe it's very good if you can have, you know, if you can connect to somebody who is who's working for the organization and, and get some perspective on him, right? Um, you know, they, you know, if you can, you know, maybe a friend, a friend's friend, you know, connect with them, check out how, how uh, you know, what the financial uh, status is, uh, right? Uh, I think that, that would really help.
1: Yeah, so I think the bottom line there is you've got to do a little bit more research on your own to try and understand the company, Versus a large organization or a publicly listed organization, where there is usually a lot more data that's available in the public domain. I mean, you could just Google a lot of it up. Uh, but when it comes to, st- but when it comes to a startup, you've actually got to meet people, try to make connections, try to find those people who may be able to provide you some input. And it's certainly worth doing that. It's your career, after all. And the more time you invest upfront before you make a decision, the better it is for you. So as we come towards the last part of the show, let's talk about some advantages of joining a startup. Clearly, there is a lot of buzz in the air about the startup ecosystem in India. A number of startups are turning unicorns, growing big and making it big. A lot of people want to make a career in startups, like we said at the beginning of the show. So, Praveen, in your experience, what are some of the biggest advantages that people have when they work for a startup?
0: So, uh, uh, of course, we talked about startups and and some of the risks and so on, uh, right, about joining a startup. Uh, But despite all that, there are a lot of advantages of joining a startup, right? Uh, The the first one I would say is uh, your opportunity to get better responsibilities, uh, right? Uh, And typically in a startup Uh, You get more responsibilities than in many of the established companies. Uh, You get to see a, you know, especially if you are even as as a mid-level, mid-management kind of employee, you get to see a full picture of where the company is going. uh, There is usually much more visibility and feedback, uh, right, Uh, uh, and, and typically your role is also very visible. Uh, right uh, in in a startup so because of all that you get to have a lot more responsibility with startup
1: right
0: so that's one um the, the second i would say is um, uh, is you get to grow in, in in most cases in a startup you get to grow with the company right in startups you know like we talked earlier you know by definition these are companies that have uh, sort of the intent and 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 the uh, and, and the potential to grow and And what happens is when when the company grows, you automatically grow with it and and your responsibility grows. right? and, and in the case of startups, there are uh, there, could, there, there are always new opportunities and expansions coming out. Right? you you get to be part of all of those things. Uh, right? So you get to grow with the company. The third I would say is um it's sort of related is in in most cases, I've seen sort of better, Fulfillment and better meaning and purpose that, that that an employee feels when working with a startup. Right? Uh, in, in large companies, you, you know, the, the common. Uh, uh, the common issue that most most employees uh, uh, complain about is the fact that you are just a cog in the wheel uh, in, in a startup. You just you're you not that uh, right. You you are playing an important part, uh, right? You have more responsibilities. You are growing with the company and, and usually. Uh, there's, a, there's a better sense of fulfillment, meaning, and purpose when you start this, When you're working with a startup, um, the last is um, uh, is you know primarily if you're a tech person or or even if you're not a tech person, right? Uh, typically, startups work with a lot of newer technologies, uh, right? Uh, startups are typically the earliest adopters of technology. You know they are more risk taking, uh, right? And and they sort of have that innovation sort of built in into that company. Uh, and hence, like um, uh, right, you as a person gets to learn about newer and exciting technologies. Uh, that helps you grow both. In my opinion, that helps you grow both professionally as well as personally.
1: Yeah, I think I think that those are those are excellent points you you made there, Praveen. Um, I, I would certainly underline those uh, clearly. If anyone that's hearing the show wants to consider a career in startup. Uh, you're going to have an accelerated learning curve. What, what you would learn maybe over a period of five years elsewhere, you might learn it in five or six months in a, in a startup because you get exposed to so many things. And uh, and you also get to make a lot more meaningful connections with people because it's a much smaller work environment where everyone knows everyone else. Uh, so if that's important to you, that's, that's also something to uh, something to keep in mind uh, as a as a potential advantage and benefit of joining a startup. Uh, now I hate to do this Praveen, but uh, unfortunately we do have this startup craze going on in 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 the world right now. And uh, not all startups are the same. There are there are many that are that are in the business with a with a genuine intent and a genuine purpose and a and a genuine vision to to create a product that that makes the world feel. Uh, that makes the world a better place to be. Uh, but inevitably, in, in all this fad, sometimes there's also uh, organizations that that may not necessarily be operating in, in the right manner. So are there any red flags or are there any uh, pitfalls that, that one should keep in mind and try to avoid as, as they're trying to explore opportunities in the in the startup space?
0: So uh, you, you you are correct, Paddy. I mean, there are. Um, while many organizations do have the right intent, uh, they may not have the right culture, uh, right? Uh, you know, at, at least in a very, very, at least in a small minority of cases, there may be organizations which are not. Um, being uh, straightforward to the employees, uh, right? Uh, I mean, what I would do is um, I would actually look at, you know, before joining a startup, I, I want to look at all the sources that you can find about that startup, right about employee feedback for that startup. So go through, make sure you go through Glassdoor, uh, right? And I know in many cases you see Glassdoor reviews of uh, five stars, uh, right? I don't want to get into more uh, more details of that, but but still, you can actually, if you if you walk go through that more closely, you can actually see uh, right reviews which uh, which are genuine and which talks about uh, you know how how the worker environment in that startup is. Uh, but uh, but more importantly, I would actually get feedback from employees or ex-employees who are working there, uh, right? Uh, try networking with them, ask them what it is like, uh, right? And and make an informed decision based on that, uh, right? And, and also, you know, in, in some cases, people may not, um, uh, you know, especially employees may not come across uh, uh, completely, uh, right? It may not be, uh, may not want to uh, talk about it so much, but, but at least ex-employees in these cases uh, do, uh, right? That's my experience. Um, also, another proxy to look at is see how long have... Uh, the employees stayed within the company, uh, right, especially their senior employees, their founding team, and so on right um, the The more the years they have stuck together, uh, it it probably means that the company is is doing something right, uh, right. Uh, it means that uh, you know the fact that they haven't split up uh, does uh, show something positive about the company right? um, now, um, You know, the other thing I would say is um, if you, you know, if you are, you know, I mean, one of the ways or one of the things that you need to think about while uh, or one of the important factors uh, in succeeding in the company is how much do you believe in the vision of that particular company? Right. Um, So uh, so if you are personally, if you personally believe in that idea, uh, right, that is, in my opinion, enough motivation and enthusiasm. In joining a company, um, so so that's that's what I would say before you know b- before joining in the company, but but also be prepared for failure. I mean, remember your your company. If your company fails, let's say it runs out of money, that's not that's not end of life, uh, right? The chances are you would get a much better position in, in another company, right? As an employee, that's one advantage uh, as an employee, uh, right? Uh, so uh, so be prepared for failure, uh, but but do do your due diligence due diligence on some of these things uh, that's what that's
1: what i would say Patty. yeah i mean i like the way you said it there uh, praveen which is it's it's good to understand what the company wants to do what their idea is what their core vision is and and if you believe in that if you want if you sort of resonate with that you you definitely have a much better chance of succeeding i think end of the day it's it's your faith in in the founders and their visions and their dreams uh, the more access you can get to them during the hiring process, the more you can try to understand them. Uh, the better it is for you, uh, and the more likely likely you are to you are to succeed. Uh, so, Praveen, in closing, any last words? Do you think this is still a good time to uh, be part of the startup uh, boom, or or do you think that that ship has sailed?
0: Uh, I, I still feel this this lot more exciting startups that's going to come uh, there are a lot of newer technologies, especially in the areas of artificial intelligence and so on uh, that's coming up. Uh, I I would say there will be a lot more startups uh, that would come up and especially uh, from India. Uh, So I think this is uh, this is a golden age for startups and uh, I believe it's going to continue for some time. And I would say (laughs) I would encourage uh, people to uh, think about joining a startup. Of course, look at all of these risks and so on as well. But but you know, be open for
1: working for a startup. And and that's a great way to say that, Praveen. Because I think a lot of the big organizations that we know today were once a startup too. Uh, so on that note, uh, Praveen, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. It it was very educating for me, and I'm sure it's the it's the same way for our listeners. So thank you so much for for that.
0: Thank you, Paddy. It was, it, was, it was
1: a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Praveen. And with that, we are, we are going to sign off on, on today's show. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to our show. We wish you all the very best in your career journey. Please stay tuned for our next episodes. This is Paddy and Praveen signing off from Career Console.